0: Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. I'm excited that you chose to encounter worship with us today. Um, As we are here and I was thinking about this service, I started thinking about how a lot of people are experiencing fear uh, during this time. And I want to give you a message entitled The Gift of Fear. Fear, the gift of fear. What is the most fearful situation that you have ever been in in your life? If you feel comfortable, why don't you comment that below? And if you haven't shared, go ahead and share this video. But think about that. What's the most fearful situation you have ever been at in your entire life? Right now, a lot of people are experiencing fear associated with this, the outbreak of this virus. And and there's not just fear to the virus, but there's also fear to the response of the virus in, in the world today and just how people are Reacting And interacting with that And I started thinking about my own life What's the, what's the most fearful event that I've ever been into and, and I don't think I've had too many near-death experiences I've been pretty fortunate on that Probably the closest I've ever been to a near-death experience Was in my home in Vertigris And Charity has no idea I'm about to share this story But this was a near-death experience for me uh, This was before Ch- uh, Knox was even born And Charity and I were at home And I was sitting on the couch one day And I saw her walking across in the living room and my first thought was, man, she looks cute today. And something happened in my mind. I went to my fifth grade self or my maybe pre-K self and when little boys see girls that they like, they tend to do things that hurt them for some reason. I don't know why. And so I saw Charity walking across the room. I said, man, she looks cute today. I know what I should do to show some sweet, tender affection. I should tackle her. And so that's exactly what I did. I jumped up, I ran across the room and form tackled Charity onto the ground. I have no idea why I did this. The good thing for her is that she was not prepared for it, so it so it completely caught her off by surprise and she wasn't even hurt at all. And so she's half laughing at us, at me, and I I pick her up off the ground and I said, Hey, this is really a lot of fun. Maybe we should make a game out of this and we should call it cow tipping. I don't know why I said that. That was the stupidest thing I ever said. Jen's like, I would just kill you for her. That was probably the closest to the near death experience that I've ever had. Charity killing me after saying that. Zach's like, I won't even laugh at that. Yeah, he's out. He's out. In all honesty, there have been a few, situ- there's been very few situations in my life where I was fearful for my own life and you're probably in have had few situations either. And it's not because I'm brave or because I don't have fear in my life. What I started to realize reflecting for this message is this, the things that have caused me the most fear are not dangerous, life-threatening situations. The situations that have caused me the most fear in my life are the situations that I could not control. Once you to think about it. The things that have caused me the most fear in my life are situations that I could not control. And you're probably the lot of the same way. Things that have caused you fear. Think about things that are causing fear right now. There are a lot of people that are afraid of this virus because they can't control it. There are a lot of people that are afraid of the decisions the government are, is making be, how, and how those decisions might negatively affect their life. Why? Because they can't control it. There are a lot of people afraid of the economy and how it may negatively affect their life. Why? because they can't control it and there's, Those are the things that are causing fear in this season and in this moment. But here's the thing I want you to catch. I, I don't want to address this season as much as I want to address fear as a whole when it comes knocking on our door. Because fear is constantly coming at us. And there's constant situations that we're going to encounter throughout life where it's going to come. And fear is going to be beating at the door of our house. What do we do in those moments? And here's what I believe. And here's what I think all of us wrestle with at some point is fear and we don't even realize it and I want to start asking the question what is the proper response when fear rears its ugly head in our life and this morning I want to read to you a lengthy passage of scripture that you can find in Acts chapter number 27 if you want to turn there with me in Acts chapter number 27. To set this up for you, we're about to read about some people that are very afraid of the situation that they're in. We're going to be reading about a person by the name of Paul. And you might not know who Paul is, but he's one of the first followers of Jesus Christ. And he was almost like a missionary, if you will. He was someone who traveled the entire world planting churches. He was instrumental in the establishment of the first church right after Jesus ascended into heaven. He was very effective in his witness. But uh, not everyone was excited about his passion for the Lord. And the, re- and the religious leaders of his day arrested him, and he was actually going to stand trial before Caesar. And that's what we're going to be picking up this morning. He's already bound. He's in Roman uh, control. He's a prisoner, and he's being shipped by boat to, uh, to Rome, where he's going to stand trial before Caesar. And, and uh, chapter 27 of the, of the book of Acts, starting in verse number 9, it says this. It says, "...since Much time has passed, and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over. Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will bring with it injury and much loss, not only to the cargo and the ship, but also to our very lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter there, the majority decided to put out from sea from there on the chance of somehow reaching Phoenix, a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and to spend the winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempest wind, called a northeaster, struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Kata, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports and undergirded the ship. Then, fearing that we would run aground in Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus we were driven along." "'Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their bare hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, no small tempest lay upon us. All hope of our being saved was at last abandoned.'" Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up and said to them, Brothers, men, you should have listened to me and have not set sail for Crete, and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship for this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I worship and he said do not be afraid Paul you must stand before Caesar and behold God has granted you all those who sail with you so take heart men for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told but we must run aground on some island when the 14th night had come as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found twenty fathoms. A little further they took a sounding again and found fourteen fathoms. And fearing that they might run upon the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape the ship, they had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out more anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away The ropes from the ship's boat and let it go. As the day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day, and you have continued in suspense without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took the bread and he gave thanks to God in the presence of all. He broke it and began to eat. And then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they had planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and led them into the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then, hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel ground. The bow was stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being beaten And broken by the surf, the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered that they should swim aboard uh, upon those who could swim to jump overboard first and take for the land and the rest on planks or pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land." Now, this is obviously a large and long passage of scripture, but there's one thing that's obvious right from the get go is that this is a very fearful situation. Could you imagine being in a ship driven along by the wind in a storm for two weeks? They said they didn't see the sun for two weeks. Even with all of our modern day advances of technology, being in a storm on the sea is a scary thing. Now, imagine it in Paul's day where they're in basically a wooden boat. That That is about, what, one quarter of the size of our modern-day ships. Fear had to be rampant. And why not? Why not? Because they were about to die and to drown. And there's something, though, that I want you to see about fear that I think is evident out of this passage if we really start to dive into into the nuances of this passage. And it's this. Not all fear is a bad thing. I want you to think about that for a second. Not all fear is a bad thing. Now, when I was growing up in church, fear was almost always talked about as a negative thing, especially in church. I heard on more than one occasion the scripture quoted, perfect love casts out all fear. And it was taught that if you're a Christian, you should never have any fear of any kind in your life at all. And I understand the heart behind that. I understand why that's taught, but I'm not completely sure that's 100% true. And here's what I want you to understand this morning. There is is healthy fear, and then there is unhealthy fear. There's healthy fear, and then there's unhealthy fear. Healthy fear can be a gift, and unhealthy fear can be a liability. The Scripture makes it clear that healthy fear can be a gift. Proverbs 27, starting in verse number 12, it says this. It says, "...the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it." So a wise man sees danger and he has enough fear to know I should not put myself in that dangerous situation and he removes himself from it. A foolish man sees danger, he sees and has this fear, but he just goes on, he doesn't respect the things that he should so we know that some healthy fear can be a gift. For example, we want our children to have a healthy fear of the stove so that they'll not put their hand on top of it and burn themselves. We want our teenagers to have a healthy fear of the vehicle so that when they drive, they're driving with caution, right? We want to have a healthy fear of going hungry that causes us to work hard in life. But fear can quickly go from being healthy and being a gift to being a a liability. Some people are afraid of risk. Therefore, they never fulfill the plan of God for their life. There's an unhealthy fear that becomes a liability that they don't pursue the things after the God that that God has for them and they don't take the risk. Some people are so afraid of their kids getting hurt that they shelter them to the point that it cripples their growth. That's an unhealthy fear. Some people are afraid that their marriage might fall apart to the point that they start to suffocate their spouse. And even in extreme cases, our fears can turn into crippling phobias. So some fears are healthy and some fears are unhealthy. And it's vital for us to be able to distinguish between healthy fear and unhealthy fear. So what we need to do when fear starts to arise in our heart is we need to have a grid of questions. We need to have uh, some context and some contrast between unhealthy fear and healthy fear. So we know what side we are lying on upon. We need to know the difference and we need to be able to determine the difference between healthy fear and unhealthy fear. And I believe out of this passage there are several things that we can see. There's a contrast between the gift of fear and the liability of fear that plays out. There's a contrast of healthy fear in the life of Paul and an unhealthy fear in the life of the soldiers and the sailors on this ship. And I want to show these contrasts to you. The first is this. The first contrast is that unhealthy fear is Based upon unwarranted danger and uncertainty. Unhealthy fear is based upon unwarranted danger and uncertainty, whereas healthy fear is based upon knowledge, wisdom, and respect. Healthy fear is based upon knowledge, wisdom, and respect. At the beginning of our passage, Paul has a healthy fear of taking this voyage. He goes to the captain, he goes to the pilot, and he says, look, he says, I don't think it's a good idea for us to go. If we go, we're going to lose the cargo, we're going to lose the ship, and it's going to be a danger even to our lives. He has, a, he has a healthy fear of this trip enough that he's the wise man, like the, the proverb says, that he knows that he sees a danger and he needs to avoid it. There was this healthy fear. Apparently the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that this was not going to be a good trip. On the other hand, the sailors had an unhealthy fear time and time again in this passage. The sailors had an unhealthy fear for some reason of staying in this port. They didn't want to stay in that port. Then we see later on the sailors had an unhealthy fear that they, uh, to the point that they stopped eating and they even wanted to get into a rowboat in the middle of the storm and they wanted to try to row out of there. And so you can see this contrast very quickly in Paul's life to the sailors. And the first contrast that you need to start looking at when fear starts to creep into your heart is you need to ask yourself, what is the basis of this fear? Paul's fear was based upon the knowledge from the Holy Spirit and wisdom of what they should do, which gave him a respect for the raging sea, that it could sink the ship. This was healthy, and this allowed him to make a wise decision. The sailors, by contrast, thought it was less dangerous to get into a rowboat in the raging storm than to stay in the uncertainty of the ship, which was obviously a foolish decision." Knowledge, wisdom, and respect will help you make wise decisions when faced with fear. For example, knowledge, wisdom, respect keep me from sticking a fork in an outlet. Why? Because I know it's going to electrocute me. This leads us to the second contrast that I want you to see this morning. The second contrast is this. Unhealthy fear leads to panic and reaction. Unhealthy fear leads to panic and reaction. Healthy fear leads us to responding, trusting, and walking in confidence. Healthy fear leads us to uh, responding, trusting, and walking in confidence. When you look at the contrast here in the decision-making ability between Paul and the sailors, it is night and day. All of the decisions of the sailors were reactionary and in a state of panic. Let's stay in the port. Let's get out of here as quickly as possible. Let's throw everything overboard as soon as possible. Let's get in a rowboat in the raging storm. Let's kill all the prisoners. Everything was reactionary in a state. Of panic. Contrast those decisions to Paul's decisions. All the decisions that Paul made led him to a state where he was responding, trusting, and taking confidence in the Lord. He says, We should stay calm and we should stay in this port. We should not leave. We should trust God and we should eat a little food, right? We shouldn't do anything stupid like getting in a rowboat in the middle of a raging storm. In all of his dialogue, Paul was not reacting to the situation. He was responding to the situations. And those responses brought trust and confidence in the Lord to everyone around him. What's the difference between reacting and responding? Reacting is always seeing a situation and starting to act based upon our emotions. I want you to think about that for a moment. When you're reacting, you're seeing a situation and you're following the first emotion that comes into your mind, into your heart. A lot of times we as parents will react to our children. They will make a mistake that brings irritation or frustration into our life and we react an emotion to our kids. And in those moments, a lot of times we will say things or do things that we later have to apologize for or that we regret. The facts are that a lot of us react to worry our fears are disguising themselves as worry in our mind, and our minds are racing over and over again, allowing us just to think about the worst possible scenario. Why? Because our emotions are reacting to the situation. On the other hand, responding to a situation means that I step back from that situation the best I can. I assess that situation with knowledge, and then I say, based upon the knowledge, what would be a wise decision to make? Sometimes that process takes five seconds, because that's all the longer you have. Sometimes you have to move very quickly. You need to respond quickly. But sometimes that can take a period of time where we can step back and we can take a season and say, okay, we're facing this situation. It's causing fear. What knowledge do I need to gain so that I can respond to this versus reacting to this? Responding removes the emotion from the situation. The reality is that panic and reaction almost always comes in situations that we cannot control. I talked about that a moment ago. When we cannot control situations, emotions well up and we panic and we react. Whereas responding, trusting, and taking confidence in the Lord allows us to make wise decisions in order to hedge our bets against situations that we cannot control. It's not about living in fear. It's not about playing it safe. It's about being wise so we can hedge some bets so that even though we can't control the situation, Situation, we can make sure that ourselves and our family and those around us are safe. So a fearful situation that's leading you into panic and reacting mode needs to be reevaluated. The third contrast in this grid that I want you to see is this, is that unhealthy fear leads you to a place of hopelessness. Unhealthy fear always leads you to a place of hopelessness, whereas healthy fear leads you to a place where you take heart in the Lord. The Bible says that the sailors came to a point where they gave up all hope of being saved. Why? Because unhealthy fear always leads you to that place. Unhealthy fear always leads you to a place of hopelessness and despair. When we get into a situation of hopelessness and despair, we always make poor decisions. And often those poor decisions are life altering decisions. I want you to think about it. Too many marriages have ended in fear fed by hopelessness. Too many dreams have gone to the wayside in fearful despair. And unfortunately, too many people have even taken their own lives and a fearful hopelessness and despair that life will never get better. Hopelessness is a dark hole that no one should ever investigate. Paul, on contrast, had to have some fear in his life, but he took heart in the Lord. The Bible says that Paul knew that he was secure because an angel had visited him. And notice what the Bible says. What the angel said to him is, do not be afraid, Paul. So obviously, Paul had some fear in his heart. How could he not? He was in a raging storm in the middle of the sea in a glorified rowboat. I mean, we wouldn't want to do that today. Paul wouldn't want to do that either. And he was, obviously, had some fear fear. But the angel encouraged him and said, don't don't lose heart because you're going to make it to Rome. And in that moment, Paul put his trust, his hope, his confidence in the Lord. In other words, he took heart in the Lord. When fear comes, don't allow hopelessness to knock at your door. Take heart in the Lord. An angel might not visit you, but you can still have confidence in the Lord because you have His Word. And ultimately what Paul put his confidence in, if you read this scripture, is not the fact that an angel visited him. He says, I have faith in the Word of the Lord. He had faith that the the Lord was going to do what he said he was going to do. And you have the Word of the Lord in your own life and you can put your faith that God is faithful to always protect you and to watch over you. So Paul had this confidence and it led him to a place where he took heart in the Lord. And to have healthy fear is always going to require us, it's going to require you, it's going to require me to take every thought captive and to submit that to the Lord. The fourth contrast I want you to see is this. His unhealthy fear leads you to a place of neglect. Unhealthy fear always leads you to a place of neglect, whereas healthy fear allows you to continue on in life. When fear is running rampant in your life, oftentimes it leads you to a place of paralyzation. You get paralyzed inside of your fear. These sailors had not eaten in weeks and because fear had crippled them to take care of even the basic needs of their life. Unhealthy fear always leads you to a place of neglect. It causes you to neglect your spiritual life. It causes you to neglect your relationships. It causes you to neglect your responsibilities. Healthy fear, by contrast, awakens you to the reality that is around you and spurs you on into action. It helps you to set what priorities are important in your life and you start reevaluating life and prioritizing life. For example, Paul knew that these guys were soon going to have to swim to shore and they were going to need their strength in order to swim. And so he comes to them, he says, men, you haven't eaten in two weeks. It is time to get some food and to have some strength for what's about to come. Healthy fear always brings a point in your life where you get the right priorities and you run to God and you get things in order. When the wind of life starts to come and starts to knock on your door and starts to sink your boat, you realize that your family is priority. It realizes that your relationship with God is priority and you start to seek after those things and make those things right. Let me give you an example. There was a season in my life a long time ago where I had this job that was going to require me to work on Sunday mornings for a while. I knew it wasn't permanent, but I knew there was going to be a month or two that I was going to miss Sunday morning church. And it caused some healthy fear, if you will, in my life. I was concerned that my spiritual life was going to fall by the wayside. I I could still go to church on Sunday night and Wednesdays, but something about the idea of not being able to be there on Sunday morning for a few months caused me some concern. So I sat in my heart and I zoned into God and said, God, during this season, however long it is, I'm going to make you priority. I'm going to be closer to you than I ever have been. And in my devotion life, because I was so determined and so focused in that season to be close to God was closer than I'd ever been my entire life. And and it wasn't a paralyzing fear. It was a fear that spurred me into action. The fifth and final uh, contrast that I want you to see out of this passage is this unhealthy fear makes you concerned only about yourself. Unhealthy fear always puts yourself number one, whereas healthy fear helps you to look out for your neighbor. Healthy fear always causes you to be concerned for those around you. It never ceases to amaze me that when crisis comes, how it makes people fearful and primal right? We see that right now in our own culture over something so silly as toilet paper, how people hoard that and they start seeing something and they they buy way more than they ever would. Why? Because they're concerned about themselves instead of just trusting that God will be their provision and their provider. And this is the response of unhealthy fear. It always causes you to look out for number one. And we see this in this passage. When the ship ran aground, the soldiers wanted to kill every Single prisoner. Why? Because Roman law said if a prisoner escaped, the soldier could be executed. And so they were more concerned for their own life than for the life of these other people. By contrast, Paul's fear was healthy. And he wanted to watch over everyone and he was concerned about everyone's well-being. Healthy fear always brings compassion and concern for your neighbor and will cause you to look out for other people and to take responsibility for other people's well beings I want to wrap this up with a few thoughts why do I want you to have a healthy fear? Why do I want you to notice the difference? Because there are countless situations in your life where fear is going to come and it's going to bring a response out of your life. What is that response going to be? Is it going to be an unhealthy fear or is it going to be healthy fears? Our lives should be built upon the rock of Jesus Christ and we shouldn't be foolish when it comes to danger. We we shouldn't run into danger like the Proverbs said. We should have a healthy fear, but we should never allow fear to come into our life where it cripples us. We never should allow fear to come into our life where it is unhealthy. And in this season, it's a good opportunity for us to practice healthy Fear. So what's our response? What should we do in this season? When fear comes into your life, when worry comes in, when the urge to react comes in, filter your fear through this grid and say, is this a healthy fear or is this an unhealthy fear? Is this fear based upon unwarranted danger and uncertainty or is this fear based upon wisdom, knowledge, and respect? Is my house on fire? That's a good fear. I should I should respond in this moment. Are my kids associating with unhealthy relationships? That's a good fear. I should respond in this moment. But if you're 30 years old and you're looking at the stock market every day saying I'm never gonna be able to retire because the economy's in a in a in a low right now, That's not the time to be afraid. Why? Because there's a long season. It's time for us to respond. If you look out and you say, man, I don't know what's going to happen with our finances over the next few weeks and months with everything. Now's not the time to panic. We should just, we should respond in a wise manner to the situation that is around us. We need to present our fear to the Lord. We need to come to him in prayer. We need to trust his word and we need to know that he holds us. Don't allow your fear to bring you to an ungodly perspective. I want to close with this thought. Why do I want you to filter your fear? because I want you to properly manage your, your fear so that you can be led to safety. Paul managed his fear in a healthy way and God used him to save himself and everyone on this boat. They all got to safety. Everyone survived the storm on the sea after the chaos of the storm of two weeks. Why? Because Paul was able to lead that ship the right direction because he had healthy fear and he knew how to respond. And right now you can lead your family, you can lead your neighbors, you can lead your coworkers you can lead your community by how you respond to this fear. So take heart in the Lord this morning. I want to pray over you. And then our worship team is going to sing one more song for you. And that's how we're going to close our service today. But I want to encourage you this in this season don't react, respond, respond in a healthy manner, respond in a way that honors God. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we just come before you right now. And Lord, there are so many people Lord that are reacting Lord in this season of fear, but God, we know that we can trust in you. Lord, we thank you that there's a difference between healthy fear and unhealthy fear. We thank you, God, that we can lean on you. We can come to you in our times and Lord you can still our hearts Lord, there might be people this morning that are watching and listening. Lord, they don't have a relationship with you. God, the reason why Paul was able to respond in a healthy manner was because that he... Had a relationship with you. He knew that you were his Lord and his Savior. And Lord, if there are people right now that are feeling their heart drawn to you, Lord, I pray that you would call them in. Lord, as they surrender their life to you, Lord, as they come to you and they give you everything that they have, Lord, they give you their heart and their soul and their mind and surrender, God, to your Lordship. I pray, God, that your presence and your peace would just flood into their life and, Lord, that they would know that you're with them. Lord, those of us that call you our Lord and Savior, God, I pray during this season, Lord, you teach us to trust. You teach us to put our faith and our hope in you. Lord, that you teach us to be still and know that you are always with us. In Jesus' name, amen.